welcome to Soul Journey Doula, a Big Blend Radio end of life podcast featuring Lee Brovadani. Hey everybody, welcome to the very first uh, true official Soul Journey Doula podcast here on Big Blend Radio featuring Lee Brovadani. Lee has been on our shows for years talking about trust. She is known as a trust architect and uh, her whole background is on trust emotional intelligence she's traveled the world and now she's on her new venture of being a death doula or a death midwife i encourage you to go to her website souljourneydoula.com and just like she's been on our show for every uh, third thursday she's going to stay in that same time zone or time slot and um, be talking to us about the end of life so welcome back lee how are you I'm great. I'm great. So it's so good to see you. And, and uh, you too. You know, you're looking good. Well, thank you. I feel like yeah. I'm beaming up with the clouds behind me and yeah. everything. And I feel like I'm all excited. Then I'm like, wait, we're talking the end of life. Are we supposed to be excited about yeah. this? But yeah, I look at it like as the next adventure. You've already crossed over because you are in oh, the clouds. Cool. Well, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah, please, but I'll call you don't. when I am. Okay. You know. This is really good. Uh, But listen, um, I wanted to touch on this. I know we've done a podcast a while ago about this, but this being the official start of the new journey here, Soul uh, soul Journey, um, I wanted to touch on what a death doula, a death midwife is, which means we we need to really face, yes, we are all going to come to the end of life. So can you tell everybody just a little bit about what that is? So um, just like you, you know, most people, if you say doula, they associate it with birth. And a a birth doula isn't the midwife who actually, you know, catches the baby and brings it into the world. And a lot of people think that is what they do is they set everything up so that the the mother and the baby have the best possible birth possible. So everything from um, arranging how the mother wants the baby born, whether it's a water birth, whether they want to do it at home, or they they make sure that everything is set up so that the best situation is there for the mother and child. Well, if you think of a death doula, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. We make sure that everything is done so that the person who is dying and the people who are there as part of their journey, Mm. have as good an experience as possible so that it's a peaceful passing. So, you know, people will say, I think they they interviewed people and 95% of people say they want to die at home and less than 25% do. And a lot of that has to do with people aren't prepared. They think that, well, I'm going to die anyways. What do I have to do? It's just, you know, but if you want to have, a peaceful death, then you have to, you have to understand, like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And actually, as a doula, what I do is I work with the family and with the person who is dying, and make sure that all five pillars are taken care of. And so when I talk about what are the pillars, the pillars of my work that support it is the spirit to make sure mm-hmm. that um, whatever their beliefs and practices are. I had one woman who said that she wanted a priest there and she wanted to have him. And it's not called the last rites anymore. And I, sorry, I just yeah. popped out of my head, but 
if, if they want that. And I said, Oh, okay. So have you talked to your priest? And she said, well, actually, um, I'm lapsed and I haven't gone to church for a long time. Okay. So maybe if that's really important to you, then you should reach out and find yeah. the priest. I mean, something as simple as that. And then the, the feelings, like honor the feelings of the person. And mm. that can be, you know, if wherever they are, it's okay. Mm. As the death doula, if they said, okay, so what I want is I want to have a really good scotch. I've got, you know, a couple of months and uh, I want to drink scotch every morning. Okay, you, then we'll make that happen. I want to be able to go to the ocean and dip my toes in the ocean for one last time while I'm still able to. You honor their feelings and where they want to go. Um, mm. What is, you know, and then the mind. So we've got the spirit, the emotions, the mind. What are they, Ooh. what are they thinking? What are the other people thinking? How do they, in, this is kind of an emotional intelligence question that we used to ask, and I'm going to put it together because emotional intelligence is emotions and mind, like intelligence combined. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel? How do you want to feel? How are we going to move? Mm. Um, How you want to feel from where you are right now. And that involves working with them, with the mind, finding out exactly where they are Mm. and then their body. Yeah, people say they don't want their senses dulled at all. I don't want to be on pain medication. I want to feel the feels and and other people say, I want to be knocked out. So however, they want to feel how their body wants to feel. And here's something that people should know that the dying, and I haven't died. So I'm just going from what I'm told and what I've observed. Dying in itself is not painful. Mm disease that causes the dying can can be painful so we can take care of the pain that's associated with whatever disease is Mm -hmm. taking them on this journey so you know how do you want to feel is really important and then the practical if you say that you want to die at home where what's the bed who's surrounding you you want flowers what's the music you want played like there's so much involved that people don't think of until you're in this position Mm. so kind of look ahead of time you know I think the emotional intelligence I think is really crucial no matter what um in life period yeah um because I think we do get the amount of emotions that go through when you know oh you've been told hey you've got six months to live kind of thing and um or maybe it is just a sudden death. It could be a sudden passing, but yeah. it's like, but to plan for your family. So your family knows, you know, what yeah. you want, how, how, you know, do you want your ashes scattered? Do you know, all of those things. It's good to not leave till just by chance, like, oh, whoops, yeah. you know. So I think that part is important. Um, I know that you're very compassionate. You talk about that a lot and, and I know you, so I know that, but we also get to have humor here on the show. I just want to warn people. Um, you can't talk about death without some humor because, um, it's okay to, you know, I think humor comes in for some, some people may not want that in life at the end of life, but humor is part of the way of dealing with it. Right. So, 
there's got to be these emotions that go through someone as they know, oh, I'm going to die or, you know, they've given me my last rights kind of thing. Um, there's panic. There's got to be panic. And then yeah. humor is part of that opposite kind of like, okay, look, I'm going to cushion the blow for you a little bit. So yeah. humor plays part of this, doesn't it? I'm just yeah, covering my... our tracks here because people are going to go, how can you <laughs> well, be laughing I, I and excited on a... a death show, you know? My friend whose husband was dying and towards the end, I mean, he was, he was um, in bed. He wasn't getting up anymore. And his sister was there. And I, I, I don't always get the story right, but his sister was there telling him that it was okay. They would all be okay. And that it was okay for him to pass. And he opened one eye and he said, stop that. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> not ready. <laughs> and, and everybody laughed because that was him and that was his sense of humor so even in that moment mm. kind of broke the ice now other people they hear that and it would just they, they can't even imagine and I, I do want to say when when we're talking about a death doula if someone has had a sudden death so someone has had a relative who has died from a car accident and they need help with that I would suggest that they call a grief counselor because at that mm. point as mm. an end-of-life doula, that's part of my role within the whole context of working as an end-of-life doula. But if it's just to deal with the grief of mm. someone who has had a sudden passing, it's better to go and talk to a grief counselor. Mm. Yeah, because that's really the sudden, the suddenness is very rough, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, when it's not sudden and people are planning, it's almost like planning a big party if that's what you want. You know, yeah. it's all, in some for some people, it's going to be all right. Let's go out with a bang. Let's have a party. Put some fireworks out there. Yeah. You know, everyone's different. And I think that is important. And I think that's an important role that you play as a death doula is helping, you know, people be like who they want to be and maybe even soften the blow for the family who may not understand that, hey, I do want fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, you know, my friend Charles, when he was dying, he had um, Lou Gehrig's or ALS. Oh. And this was just so typical Charles. He said, I don't want to be dead and not hear all the great things people are going to say about me. So he had his funeral before he died. And That's he had wild though. Yeah. He had a party and he said, I want to hear all the good things you're going to be saying about me after I pass, but I want to be able to listen to him. And that was, you know, so we can arrange that as well. So as a death doula, there's a mm. lot of things depending on the person that I'm dealing with. And then even to the extent of helping plan for the funeral. Mm. See, that's the, that, that's the party planning side. Yeah. It's yeah. like, no, I want daylilies. Thank you. You know, I want delphinium flowers. You know, everybody's got their, you know, thing. Everyone's a little bit different. I definitely want a glass of wine, you know, as I go, maybe some tequila too. I mean, yeah. that's just me. You Wasn't know. it you that Liu told me about a friend of yours and you and your mom went to the funeral and she had been really specific. She didn't mm -hmm. want any scriptures. It wasn't her belief. And the relatives ignored what she was saying and mm -hmm. did this whole whole thing. Yep. And you and Nancy got the giggles because um, she flickered the lights. She said, yeah. I will flick the lights on and off if he does it. He did it. He had a priest. She says, okay, she had the priest there just out of keeping pacification of the family. 
but I don't want this, that, and the other. I just want you to play. There was a song about animals. Um, anyway, I can't remember what the song was off the top of my head, but it was a, it was an animal because, you know, she, she was out in Kenya with Nancy too. She came out to see her there. And so it was crazy because then the priest just says, I know she said not to do this, but I'm doing it to kind of cover her tracks. And we're all like, what? And the lights started flickering and that's when Nancy and I got the giggles. Plus she got, you know, her funeral was, it was like a funeral home thing with 666 was the address of the street. (laughs) And I think it was Elm street. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. I swear. And so Nancy and I were going, well, this is so Yvonne's fashion to do this. That was her quirkiness. Yet then her grandkids are standing up and talking all these, you know, all these people just completely different than the Yvonne that we knew, which was the complete naughty side, which, you know, that would be, you know, and I mean, she won bloody Mary drinking contests and things, but this whole other side didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> so the flickering of the lights was amazing. And, and we were also very happy that she did pass on because she had brain cancer and that was a very hard thing to go through to know some really spitfire of a person to go yeah. through that and not even be able to keep her head up. You know, that was, yeah. that was rough. So that so was an end of life yeah. doula before she got to that point, because we do something called, you know, best three months. And it's kind of imagine if today, exactly as you are, you're not hit by a bus or anything, but exactly as you are today, you got the notice that you had three months to live. How do you want to live that? And so we help organize, like, what is it that you want to do? Now, we're not going to be there for the whole three months, but we can give you a blueprint right. of how to live those last three mm-hmm. months and then be involved with you towards the very end to make sure mm-hmm. that everything is set up the way you want. So if you want to be facing the window and overlooking the ocean, or if you want to be pulled out into the garden, then let's make sure that you have a bed that can actually mm. be pulled out into the garden. I like that. And then are you also like, as a counselor, like, can you work with people like in a different country through Zoom or, you know, I don't know how that works. I mean, is well, that I possible? But yeah, I, it, it would be. I can can see that happening. What I've found in the past is, and it's usually my friends who are living in other places and they know what I do, that when they've gone through it, like a, one of my really close friends, when her mother was dying and she called me and said, she was calling me in my capacity as a doula. And it was around, you know, just feeling this overwhelming sense of loss because she had been around her, her mother and her were like, you and Nancy, you know, Mm -hmm. they sparred, but they were friends and sometimes not. And that just that beautiful, complex mother daughter relationship. And she was, she needed help navigating part of that. So Mm. part of my role is like really listening so intently that I can hear what they have to say and then kind of help them help them hear what they're telling others. Cause sometimes we don't always know what we want. It takes someone else to hear what we're saying 
and, mm-hmm. and, and give it back to us before we get a lot of clarity. Does right. that make no, sense? No, no. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like a life coach. And I know that you're certified and, and, and that's another thing. Um, you know, Lee, you're, you're certified. You've done education and all of this. Yeah. That's an important thing for people to know. Um, but a life coach, good life coach, right? Is the same thing. They listen and it's like a mirror back to you. And yeah. it's, um, not a, it's a person. It's the same thing with a good counselor lets you guide yourself by hearing what you're saying and putting it into a context. Like, oh, this is what I hear you say. I mean, how how many people go to a therapist and the therapist says, this is what I heard you say. Is this correct? You know what I mean? No, that's not what I meant. You know, but at the and also when it's someone separate from the actual family, I think that's also very important that someone has kind of a non um, judgmental place to get it out of your system, especially if you know you're passing that. You need to have whatever comes out to come out. Otherwise, it's going to be upsetting. You want to have yeah. that kind of breathing flow, like it's good energy in your body. Yeah. You know? And, you know, as a doula, kind of being able to, to smooth the water. So I know that when I've talked to some of my friends who have been working as a doula for a long period of time, they said that it can bring out sometimes the worst in people. Mm. So she's been in situations where she has had to talk to two sisters who were screaming and yelling next to the bed of their dying mother. Ooh, that's not, and you know, it brings up a lot of emotions. So she is the, she's wonderful. She, she was able to say, okay, out outside in the hall and then talk to them and say, you know, this isn't, this isn't the time. I understand that there's really high emotions and she did it really gently, but she got them to stop. And if if that wouldn't have worked, I know that she would have said, okay, you're out. Yeah. And so both of you can behave yourself. Your mother is not going to leave this earth listening to two warring daughters. It's not happening. Yeah. That's not, that's, that doesn't help. Yeah. You know, but it happens. It's true because all kinds of emotions surface for everyone, you know, yeah. and it can cause, it's kind of a reactionary thing. When people start fighting like that, it's reactionary. Most, most arguing is reaction to something instead of dealing with it. It's part of that. Get it out of your system. It's the emotional lack of emotional intelligence at that point. Sorry. You know, um, for everybody who isn't listening, we have Bella is going to be a year old. So she needs to start herself a bit more. <laughs> she's rolling around because yeah for the, those who are listening versus watching it's interesting because lee just did a disappearing act I mean, this is good that's i think that's fantastic that's what we should do you know it's like the end of life and <laughs> we yeah, i'll just roll out of frame yeah i know i love it no but but i think it's it is that that reactionary thing is a normal response yeah for the beginning of something it's usually fear isn't it well, fear is such a fear and anger are such complex emotions. Mm. You know, fear is a response to stimuli that, you know, something um, is not, something has surprised us and not in a good way, because there's a difference right. between, you know, fear and surprise. Anger, a lot of times, can be a reaction to a way is blocked, but anger is sometimes a secondary emotion. We feel safer being angry, then we, we don't want to show that we're hurt or that 
you know, like there's, there's so many different things. Emotional intelligence was really great in opening my eyes to peeling the onion. Oh <laughs> boy. Way. Not the onion. Yeah. <laughs> that like is, but that's a true, that saying, yep. Yeah. Life is like an onion, all the layers and you have to peel your onion. Yeah. <laughs> You're allowed to cry too. Yeah. It's, it's an onion. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, have you learned the secret to not crying while cutting an onion? Um, I heard that you should put a lemon in your teeth or something. Is that it? Yeah, or hold a spoon in your mouth or something. Wear goggles. Yeah. I, I usually put the onion in the fridge before I cut it because then it um, the fumes aren't as strong. Oh, so there it is. So refrigerate our emotions for a little bit. Cool off. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Freeze them out you- so you don't have to deal with them. <laughs> But you do eventually have to. So, no, but this is, you've got to be excited. I mean, this is, I think, a a really cool, helpful, compassionate, you know, career choice, you know, of of working with people and helping them. So I wanted to just touch on that, too. For you, what was it that said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And then next thing I know, you're off studying, you're going to, you know, retreats, you're doing all these things, you know, and you still work in trust, which I think is a really big part of what you're doing now. But what led you to that? Because I know people are thinking that, you know, they're listening and going, I wonder why she wants to help people die, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I want to help people die. I want to comfort people while they're dying because helping people die is completely different. You know, oh, that, I'm in Oregon right now. We can say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> If you're curious about it, I can finish like pushing you over the edge. No, um, I help people with their dying. So part of it was uh, went through a, a really difficult emotional time in, in with my family, in my family with one particular member. And I always felt that maybe we would get through this. I wasn't sure. But I thought, what about the people who were dying? Sorry, hold that thought. Bella? Out. <laughs> Sorry, there we go. This is the live show, folks. Anyway, there it is. So I thought, um, what about the people who are dying, who don't have the ability to have resolution, or they they never make up with this family member, or they they die with this horrible feeling that I was going through at the moment. And I thought, Mm -hmm. who comforts them? And then Mm -hmm. I thought, well, if there is a birth doula and they help create this beautiful birth, the very best it can be, even with all of the things that can possibly go wrong. I wonder if there's a death doula. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's crazy. That doesn't even make sense. So did what most people do. I went on the internet and searched it and found that, yes, there is a profession. And then the more I explored and the more I looked, I felt like everything that I had done as far as emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and trust. And I used to do a lot of volunteer work with um, youth who were in trouble when I was really young. And I thought all of these things have led me to this place where I'm supposed to be, which is to help bring comfort, compassion, and make the journey from mm. this to the next as beautiful as possible. I love it. It's cool. We're going to have so many good conversations. 
Yeah. I know. We're going to talk about all kinds of things, spiritual beliefs. Um, even last time we were talking about end of uh, life uh, care, and we should delve into that a little bit more. Even how you may want to be buried or not buried, how how you want that part to be of your, you know, closing chapter. So we have a lot to talk about over the next yeah. couple of years, Lee. And you and I have talked about, like, there are some really um, out of this world things that happen during, oh, yes. during the dying process that you you really can't explain. And they happen they happen on a consistent basis that yeah. people now, you know, especially in the doula business, recognize that being prepared for this is something that we all need to recognize that it, this is, this is, there's a bit of magic that goes on mm-hmm. in life and death. Well, it's energy. And exploring that too. Yeah. It's energy and it doesn't die. <clears throat> so when, you know, when you're looking at that, when people are passing on, there is, I mean, there's end of life, uh, near death experiences too, where people come yeah. back. And I think there's this fear of talking about death too. So I really love that about doing this podcast with you is yeah. getting to talk about, you know, things that, oh, no, no, don't do that. You know, it's, it's almost like they, they say, like, if you talk about death, you're going to die, you know, and that's really not true, but that's that feeling, right? That, um, you know, don't, you know, don't wish the, the negative and it's not a necessarily negative thing. It's sad. Sure. Because it's a parting of friends and loved ones. That's the sad part. Yeah. And you know what people do and it, and, and grief is grief. It's real. I mean, you know, that, you know, Nancy and I've been like over the last year, lost so many people and at all clustered together. And I thought, gee, you guys went and had a party without us. Like, that's just so rude. You know, you're not supposed to leave and do that, <laughs> but I'm not ready, you know, to go to that party yet. But there's, um, you, you have to work it through in your life. And I think that's the other part is these conversations for people to kind of have a place to process. Yeah. And that's why we get to have a little humor. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like for people who have questions about death, mm-hmm. If I don't know the answer, then I'll find it. Yeah. But, you know, that there's so much, we get so much um, information before a person dies. Like, there, there's, people have been dying. Yeah. You know, it's just part of, part of living. And so there's some things that are, are just part of the dying process, but people don't know about it because people don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's taboo. Yeah, you know, so something sounds like it could be really scary. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just part of the body function. The body knows how to how to live most of the time. Mm -hmm. It knows how to be born. It also knows how to die. I also believe in what you're doing in helping people transition. And at the same time, doing like this podcast, right, and talking about all of this. It's part of that process of turning the negative to a positive because our brains are so that negative fear-based, you know, that's how we are when we get into neurology and everything. Yes. Fight or flight. Well, when you know that, okay, it's, you know, knocking on heaven's door kind of time, you are going to go into that. Okay. Caveman style, like, Oh, you know, and there's nothing you can do other than, all right, we're going to have to deal with it. And 
I think that's a huge part instead of making it so negative is you're turning our brains into what can we make it to make it special and a, a, a positive, a graceful exit, unless you don't want a graceful exit. Maybe you do want the fireworks. I do, but just don't do it around dogs. But, <laughs> you know, so I think, you, you know what I mean? I think there's something to that because of the fear and the, it, the fear and sad and grief end up being in this negative zone. And that shouldn't be next to each other. Yeah. You know, Does that make there, sense? I know it's kind yeah, of weird. absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of cultures, even in the United States, that celebrate. So I think of New Orleans, where when they are walking the mm-hmm. casket to the graveyard, they have funereal music. So it's very, you know, dun, dun. and once the person is buried on the way back, they party because now the person is released. And they have, um, you know, their soul is free. And so they have music that celebrates. Yes. So depending on where you live, there's so many different, so many different traditions. Well, it's like an Irish wake. And, and a lot of people don't want to see the person who's passed on. They want to remember a different time. And I'm kind of like that. I'm not, I don't necessarily need to do that. Well, it just depends, right? But there is that feeling of closure by seeing the person who's who's uh, deceased at that time, and then everybody goes and gets hammered. I mean, that's, and I know there's spiritual uh, things in church and everything that goes with it. But the Irish at that, it's like, all right, we're going to do a, a royal send off, you know. So I think yeah. there's, you know, it's um, yeah, little Jameson's going in there and some Guinness, you know, yeah, might you know for, for those who want that, right? So I think every culture, I mean, the African cultures from living in, in uh, South Africa and Kenya were always interesting, too, about, you know, sometimes they kept the body with them in the hut for a while. Same as Native Americans, specific uh, tribes here would keep the body there for a while. And then eventually they had to release it at a certain time and do a specific dance and rituals. But it would be so people could come and visit. So yeah. it's it's a very, like your living room would become almost like you're going to come visit Aunt Sally, you know, even though she may have moved on, you know, so. When my mom was a little girl and her grandmother died and they were uh, lived in the country, then the, the women washed the body, prepared the body. She was laid out on the dining room table. Everybody came around and, you know, it was like, Oh, doesn't Auntie M look great. And then they would, um, Someone built the coffin. They would. She was they, not Auntie M, really. Well, I made that part up, but okay. you know, she was. They the the men would often. So there were divisions of labor, but the men were usually the ones who made the wooden coffin, and they were buried. And then everybody came back to someone's house, and they had a huge meal. But the whole thing was that it was never separated from the family. The kids would go up and visit um, grandma while she was dying or whoever was dying. And they, they were, there was always, the family was always around through the whole process. Somehow we changed it into this commercial enterprise where coffins that don't break down and, you know, so they're, they leach mm-hmm. leads into the, the soil. I, that's for a conversation for another time, but we've made it into a commercial enterprise where it is something that is natural. 
Yes. That should just be part of our life. And mourning is part of our life and celebrating is part of our life. Mm-hmm. However we do it should be, you know, it should just something that is accepted. I love this conversation. I went a lot of these because I think that's important. I mean, I had a friend pass and the commercialism was insane. It was insane. I think we talked about this on a show where he had passed and he had quite a professional legacy and, and philanthropy. And there was like a full blown press release way to do as part of his obituary and all of this. I mean, it was to be tasked on that and then family drama and all kinds. Oh boy, that's a whole other conversation. You're right. Things come out of the woodwork literally at this time. And, um, and also protecting his wife because everybody wanted to know who's got the money, you know, that that's a whole other thing. That's a good topic to talk about because there was a protection for her that needed to happen when her husband, because she had been a caregiver for him for a few years, quite a few years, and it was not easy. And so she was permanently stressed. Yeah. And when he passed, it was like a bunch of vultures coming and we were like, oh my gosh, we got to hide her. <laughs> it's like literally get her in the car before the rest come. Like no joke. And I remember her going to the funeral home and they're very, very traditional uh, Catholic family. And while she was doing it and I was dealing with the newspapers and getting things like on whatever I could do to do, we did, you know, and the newspaper and here she had been buying advertising for them from them for, and you got to think, I think their family business was actually there before the newspaper. This is how, like, we're talking a family legacy that spans over a hundred years. And I'm not joking on this. Wow. You know, the newspaper said, if you don't come down here now and pay and in advance, we're not running this because it goes over so many words because he had done so much. And I'm going, dude, you wouldn't. I mean, it was I got so mad and they made her drive from the funeral home while she was choosing his coffin to go to the newspaper and pay in advance for this press release to be run about a town leader. And they had been paying in like to me, you know, Wes says public I wouldn't charge like that would be me like this has been a client of yours before you even had a newspaper (laughs) yeah so um usually comes down to like I would have found out the individual who made that decision it was some young punk (laughs) like I hate to say that like that because I like punks but um I love punk music but (laughs) punk rock but honestly that I literally blew a lid and I couldn't blow a lid because you, that just doesn't help anybody or anything, you know? Uh-huh. So that um, if I had known you, Lee, <laughs> back then, I would have called you. I was like, Lee, come help. Because those are the things that, you know, and at the same time, you there are people helping and who have lost someone. And there's all these weird decisions that have to be made. And sometimes yeah. the external world really can get to you when you're yeah. going through this grief, you know? Like, I remember people... I remember a, a real dear friend passed and um, I mean, it was raw. It was really, really bad. And it was very sudden and I couldn't believe it. And he passed while we were on a live broadcast actually, and friends were calling me and you need to get off this show. And I mean, we, it was a show I, I remember very well. And 
a call and they told me it passed and and we still don't even anyway that's a whole other story about how he passed but it was weird and it was weird because he had contacted me the day before talking on Facebook right we were talking about stuff and and sunrises and whatever and he was a musician in our band and he died and the drama starts all that kind of emotional drama and I remember somebody on Facebook saying something like oh well you know I said this political thing so I lost a friend and I thought I was just like, no, I really lost a friend. You're you're being so superficial. And yet, so you lose your sensibilities of being around people in social settings when you're in that much pain. You know, when someone's like, oh, I lost a friend and screw them. And I'm like, I lost a friend, like someone that close. And you're carrying on with your little superficial Facebook crap. It really made me, you know, because it's up, you're, you're sad, you know, so you have this anger which is those parts of grief, those, those steps of grief, which was, so then I think there's something about with what you do that kind of brings in like, you're not the sponge where everybody gets to cry on for everything, but it's kind of, but you know what I mean? There's kind of like some kind of order to the, the crazy yeah. outcomes. You know, and you know? even like we, there's so much room for, for huge conversations. And I know mm-hmm. we'll, some of these for later. So I'm not a lawyer, but I would find a lawyer if someone hasn't done a will. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a nurse, but I would find someone if you needed pain medication. And, you know, I'm not a masseuse that can, can do all of that. And it might be that you, at, at a certain point, you can't leave bed and there can be incontinence. Mm-hmm. So you find a caregiver who can help with that. That's one of the things that you do as a doula. You make mm-hmm. sure that all of the things that are needed for the dying person to, to die with ease. dignity. Yeah. yeah. You know, like they're not having to worry about, Oh my God, I I'm soiled. I've soiled myself and I can't, I can't do anything. Like it gets down to that basic mm-hmm. and even loftier. Like, like I said, getting all of the other things uh, organized, at least finding them. It's, it, it is like a, a event planner. Um, the event planner for a celebration doesn't make the chairs they they hire them from someone Mm -hmm. so it's you know think on that level like all of you you don't know all of the things that are involved and the family the family is going through grief yeah knowing a friend like a friend or loved one has maybe been given six months or whatever you know that is you're already that's it grief stricken your brain is not good at it it's good to do things but you're not in that social oh yay let's order flowers <laughs> yeah you know and if you the know person I mean? dies at home people don't know what to do like do i call the police do i call the fire no you call you know if they're if they're associated with the hospice you call the hospice hmm. or you call the you know like there's numbers that we know okay we're not going to, the police don't need to get involved. This was not a murder. This is something that happened that was very natural. People knew that this was going to happen. You know who to call. So Mm -hmm. even down to that level of detail. Well, I know learn what palliative care is. Palliative? Palliative? Yeah, palliative Palliative. And so, I I mean, I didn't know any of that until, you know, this this gentleman had, had passed and I didn't know, like, his wife was like, well, he's on this now. And She's like, 
that means it's going to die, Lisa. And I'm like, oh my God, this is her husband, you know, and I know. So communication gets really wonky at that time frame because everyone's dealing with their regular life on top of something that is devastating to them. So they yeah. do need help. You need help to just here, let me make the phone call. It's not that hard. Like ordering a pizza is not yeah. hard, but if someone is close to you and you just found out the news, that's not easy to make the call. It's, yeah. it's that true, you know? Yeah. So I, we're going to have a lot of conversations. Yeah, there's and, so much uh, to talk about. Oh my Lord. I know. I know. Nancy, Nancy, you know, she'll be back on with you too. And she came oh, up good. to, the, it was 666 Elm Street. Yeah. She, she wanted to make it's sure. It's been a long time here. since Nancy's been on one of the calls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's all this expansion stuff. Sometimes that happens. But what I would like to do is not expand my waistline anymore. I'm <laughs> just saying. But um, I do, when people go to souljourneydoula.com, uh, you can see Lee's five pillars of how she supports those uh, who are facing time to to say goodbye. Uh, spirit, emotion, mind, body, and practical. The practical is, like I said, calling the pizza or the flower company. Um, but spirit, I think... That's important. And we, we've really touched on all five pillars, but um, we're going to have a lot more conversations about it. Uh, can't wait. Thank you so yeah, much, Lee. Everyone, you, third Lisa. Thursdays. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio Soul Journey Doula Show featuring Lee Brovadani. You can keep up with Lee at souljourneydoula.com. Follow our Big Blend Radio podcast at bigblendradio.com.